guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's Brad Silliker with the Oxford Holy Club. And right now I am away at Big Lake Camp again. This time I am involved with the uh, the youth camp that's happening. And right now we've got 80 different youth from all over Atlanta, Canada gathered here. And we just finished a really awesome service in the basement of our dining hall. Uh, that might not sound amazing to you, but it was incredible for us. I'm joined this time, this week, by uh, a friend and colleague, Reverend Andrew Barker. Hi, Andrew. Hi. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Yourself? I'm fine. For those of you that don't know Andrew, he is the senior pastor of the Windsor Church of the Nazarene in Windsor, Nova Scotia. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to snag him this week to be our speaker. And so literally probably 20 minutes ago, uh, we just finished up the evening service. So what I was hoping to do for, for this episode, Andrew, is to kind of pick your brain, uh, get you to maybe explain the message that you just shared with us. Uh, it was awesome tonight, uh, as Thank I you. shared. I really enjoyed it. But to be able to, to kind of concisely t tell us again, you know, what, what the message was and if there's any afterthought because I'm not sure about you, but sometimes after I, I walk off a platform, I'm like, oh, I forgot that. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, probably more than I care to admit. <laughs> uh, like little mini sermons all to themselves. You're like, oh, that was the that main would, point. That would have been a good, yeah, that would have been a good illustration. Or, oh, that point, that would have, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to turn your volume up just a little bit. Can you keep talking? Yeah. Um, what do you need me to do? Well, that's about it. I think we got some better, some better signal there. For anybody that's, yeah, for all the listeners, this thing's like up my nose right now. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, Andrew, um, like I mentioned, sometimes, sometimes, for those listeners, if the jump, if the, if the edit wasn't so good, we had to cut out a bunch of mic testing and breathing and different things. It was, it was a little awkward. Um, so what we're going to do is have Andrew kind of share with us the message and maybe some afterthoughts so that we can go back after this week is done and be able to listen back to the message. Um, so Andrew, thank you again for, for being with us and thank you for being at camp. Um, why don't you lay out for us, throw, throw it down, man. What, what were you talking about tonight? Oh, well, it's, it was kind of a neat, neat message that was uh, placed on my heart by the Lord. Uh, it was in the book of Philemon, and it's perhaps one of my favorite books, uh, especially in the New Testament, because I find it's kind of a message of taking your faith and putting it into action and seeing how Christ has transformed uh, the lives of people, particularly three people that are in the book of Philemon, Philemon himself, Onesimus, and Paul, and how each of these individuals have been changed by the gospel, changed by, their in, by the influence of Jesus in their lives. So we, we spent some time this evening focusing on Onesimus, who was a slave to Philemon and now is returning, not as a slave, but as a, as a brother in Christ, that Paul has met with him and has, has brought the gospel, we assume, to his life, and, mm -hmm. and he's been changed. He's been transformed by this gospel. Now is returning to Philemon, which was his, his owner, his slave master, whatever you want to call it, but is coming as a brother in Christ. And just kind of that, that transformation that has, right. has 
changed in Onesimus. And one of the points we talked about was, was Onesimus' name in Greek being useless and that Paul does a play of words and that he's coming from being a useless individual to being someone who's extremely useful and that was useful to Paul and now could be useful to Philemon. And it's kind of a challenge that Paul's issuing to Philemon to, to, to uh, come and, and welcome uh, Onesimus back into the fold, back into the, the family of Philemon, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. So his name, his name On- Onesimus? Onesimus, that's how I was taught to say oh, it. No, that's fine. Onesimus, the, that name that we're saying in Greek means useless. Well, that's what, yeah, I was taught that it, it's a play of, it's either useless or useful, but uh, Paul's using a play of words of, of you know, once was useless has now become useful. That okay. the spirit filled in in Onesimus's life has changed him, and he's not coming as someone that's weak in the spirit, but is coming as someone who who can do great things. That's through, cool. Through the power of the Lord. So leave, yeah, leave it to Paul. Leave it to Paul. <laughs> he was he was got away with words. He's pretty amazing in that way. So. Yeah, that was kind of the, one of the neat things that we spoke about. And then just this idea of, of an identity, that mm-hmm. this identity change that Onesimus had um, in his rebellion because the way that he found Paul was was trying to escape from slavery and was confronted and, and, and came into Paul. And Paul, knowing Philemon, knows what he has to do, knowing he has to return Onesimus to Philemon by, by the Roman rules. But through this amazing transformation that has happened through the gospel, there's almost an identity change as well in Onesimus that, that his his identity in the Lord is changed. His identity in the eyes of Philemon and in the eyes of Paul has changed. And we kind of took that and we thought, is there things in our lives that, that we're kind of being slaves to, whether it's an identity that, that our society has given us, or mm-hmm. maybe there's a, a sin in our life that we feel identifies us. Like, you know, I'm, oh, I'm a liar or, or, or I, you know, I, I maybe I'm someone who lusts or, or something like that, but that we almost identify ourselves with that. And that this now through the power of, of the Holy Spirit and, and the influence of Jesus in our life that we can say, no, that's not who we are. We are, we're no longer slaves to sin mm-hmm. or to, I, to these, these downward identities, but we are a child of God and that that's how we should live our lives out. And that's how we should, uh, yeah, how should we, how we should live and how we should, uh, go forth in life, not being held back by what we once were, but what we are now in, in Christ. And that we see that happening, not just in Onesimus's life, but we see it in, in Paul's life and in, in Philemon's life. Uh, for anyone who knows a little bit of the history of Paul, Paul being Saul at one time, whose sole intent for, for a moment in, in history was to wipe out Christianity. Yeah. And yet now through through Jesus Christ and through the gospel and the influence of the Holy Spirit, I mean, we look back and we say, I mean, Paul's amazing and he and he's an you know, apostle and, and wrote the majority of the New Testament and he's this great guy and we, we hold him up in such high esteem and yet there is there is this history that, that he had, but he's been transformed. His identity has changed and, and literally his name changed from Saul to Paul, that his identity has changed and that if, if God could use someone like that, God could use someone who was so against being a follower of Christ and so against the the message and the gospel to 
to then bring the gospel and could change him and could forgive him. Why can't he use us? Why can't we allow ourselves to be forgiven and to be changed by the spirit and come forward and say, I'm a child of God and I can be transformed. I am transformed and I can be used by him. Because as, as a pastor, I've had quite a few people come up to me and, <coughs> sorry. It's okay. And uh, say to me like, oh, pastor, you don't understand what I've done or you don't understand who I am and what my history is. And I often bring them to the story of Paul and say like, look at Paul, like he was a murderer and he, and he, he wanted to wipe out Christianity yeah. and yet God transformed him and, he, and he's doing amazing things. And mm. what can God do in our lives if he could do amazing things like that to, to Paul? If, like, if God can forgive Paul, why can't he forgive us? So that's, that was a big point that I was, I was kind of trying to bring home because it was something that was big in my life when, when I was reading the story of, of Paul and then the, the message of Philemon. It's just this understanding of God can forgive great things and use us in amazing ways. And then lastly, with the idea of, of Philemon, that Paul in writing this letter is kind of challenging Philemon to live out your faith, that you aren't who you used to be. And, and we kind of can guess that, that Philemon was a, was a rich individual having slaves and, and having yeah, sure. kind of being the head of a family. And most are, more often than not, it seems like rich people kind of get a bad rap in, in, the, in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. But here we have, you know, this individual and, and Paul's kind of laying it out and saying, all right, you're like you've been changed. You call yourself a follower of Christ. Let's see it. Let's see what, what this faith has done in your life. So now Onesimus, who was your slave, is coming back to you. But I'm asking you to do something out of the ordinary and not welcome him back as a slave, but welcome him back as, as your brother, Mm. And part of that was this, this message that Paul says is if he's done anything wrong to you, if he's stolen from you, if he's done anything bad, charge it to me. And uh, Martin Luther uh, had a quote that, and I'm, I'm really saying it badly, I'm probably butchering it, but it was this idea of we all are Onesimus and Jesus is our Paul. It's in that same idea that what Paul has done for Onesimus, Jesus does for us, that when we come back in our lives or we go back into society, into the world, that it's, it's not, we don't owe anything and we don't, we're not condemned in any way, but, but Jesus says, hey, charge it to me. If there's anything that, so any sin in your life, if there's any wrongdoing, I've paid it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what Paul is doing in the case of Onesimus to Philemon. So there's both to Philemon this challenge to accept Onesimus, but also this, this kind of background like, and if he has done anything that you, that you can't let go of, I'll, I'll play the role of Jesus and I'll take that place and I'll you know, charge it to me. So it's, it's an amazing book. I encourage anybody to read it. it it's just a letter that I, I really think it's a case study of living out your faith because you have Onesimus returning in faith back into the family and trusting that God's going to protect him and God's mm-hmm. going to use him. And, and also this trust that Philemon's going to welcome him as a brother. There's also the challenge that Philemon has to welcome him back. And then there's Paul, which is just playing the role of, of Jesus and playing the role of this educator and, and saying like, Hey, like, it's not just this great message that we can sit and go, Oh, that was nice. And that's cool. And I'm saved by the Lord, but it's saying, now live that out and yeah, what's it right. look like. So yeah, it was kind of a neat, okay. a neat time. Okay. So let's lay it out here. Preacher to preacher. Preacher to preacher. Preacher to preacher. Was that the message you came prepared with? To be completely honest? No, it, it wasn't. <laughs> um, I actually had a few things prepared and I thought I was, I thought I was going in a really good direction and you never know. I mean, God's going to probably use some of the stuff that I've prepared as we've gone on, oh, sure. but 
coming into the camp and even the last few weeks in preparation, God's been speaking to me in, in, in different ways, in my own devotions, in, in times of worship, listening to the radio and, and hearing certain songs. And this idea of, of identity and who we are in Christ and how we've been transformed has really been resonating with me. So I've been spending a lot of time in prayer and, and talking with people, kind of saying like, hey, like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What's, what do you feel is happening? What's the, what's the environment here on, on camp? And, and everywhere I went, God just kept coming up with this, this idea in my heart and my mind of we need to talk about, you know, identity. We need to talk about, you know, this, this slavery that we have in, in sin and that we need to be released from this bondage and that, that I personally need it, but then I need to bring it as well to the, to the youth here that, that there are some of us that are coming that are holding on to things in our lives or there's some things that we feel we're just we're shackled to that we just need to be released from. So yeah, stepping forward and saying, okay, God, I'll, I'll do this. I'm not 100% prepared, but I trust that, that you're going to use me. And I think he did. And I, and I hope that it's helped some of the people that, that were there this evening. It almost, it almost feels like one of those post-game interviews when like the, you know, the hockey player comes off the ice or the baseball player and they're yeah. asking how the game went and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of <laughs> a me, little bit, yeah. At the very tail end of that, it kind of, I kind of got that vibe yeah. of uh, just just went out and played as hard as I could. <laughs> just played some good games. Play, yeah, played a good, good game. game. Yeah, you know, you know I got, got the passes out. I shot the puck. I shot the puck. Yeah, you did. I, I laid it out. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, well, um, you know, I think, I think it's really cool... Andrew, I don't believe in coincidences. And this morning in our staff meeting, we briefly looked at the story of Saul and, yep. about, and about that transformation and identity. Yeah. And uh, go, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, that was one of the moments that I, yeah, that, that God was saying like, see, this is where I want you to go. In fact, I, I, after that time of devotion, I came, went back to my room and I just kind of was in prayer, just like, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like, I think it's being made clearer and clearer, but uh, so, yeah, it's amazing how God works. It's going to be really cool, Andrew, to come back on Friday and do our another, well, we'll do one each day, Lord willing, if we can, if we can uh, carve out the time uh, to, just to kind of do the post-game, post-service interview. But uh, it'll be really interesting. And I'm really interested to, to hear uh, from the kids, you know, from the teens to hearing what's happening in them. Certainly identity and... Um, Freedom from sin yeah. and yeah. Like that, that is so prevalent right now in the world. And I have observed just from, um, even with this podcast of looking online for just funny questions to ask on a website called Yahoo Answers, mm. I see a lot of people talking about identity and I see a lot of people talking about Christianity and putting the two together and asking a lot of questions, but I don't see us as Christians coming in with anything, with any kind of answer, especially one that's clear and concise and scriptural. I see the world coming in and filling that void and telling them, you know, what it is and what, and, and uh, really misrepresenting what the gospel says about identity. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, from now on, when I see those, I'm going to post th 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 this scripture about identity and, uh, and throw a little bit of that out there for the world, but. Oh, very cool. Um, so Andrew, uh, Lord willing, we will be back again. We'll sit down to the listener. You don't have to wait an extra day. Uh, right now we've got to wait a whole extra 24 hours before we can be back in this um, space again to hopefully do some recording. Andrew, is there anything else that you wanted to throw down? Just coming out off the sermon, coming, you know, out of the service, 
any any thoughts anything you know what there's a lot of thoughts going through my mind but we have we have a few more days to go so uh we'll see what the lord does but like you said with this idea of of, of identity and, and yahoo answers and people are looking at it and it's just this idea of, of where where do we where do we place our identity what labels us and we talked a little bit about that as well this evening like what 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 are we allowing ourselves to be labeled as mm-hmm. and do we find, I guess the whole big theme that God's been saying to me here, which hopefully will come across in these five days, is do we find our identity in Christ or do we do find our identity in, in other things, in how our friends label us or, or how society does or even how we label ourselves, maybe sure. even with certain sins in our lives. So, mm-hmm. And I believe Christ is calling us to say, no, find your, find your truth, find your life and your identity in me and let me have this, the, the center. So. Hmm. Well, Andrew, you've been you're being prayed for. I appreciate it, and we're looking forward to uh, to talking to you again tomorrow. So, thanks, Andrew, and um, we will be back shortly after this break. That in real life will take 24 hours, but on this podcast, we'll be back after the end of this sentence. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for our Not A Sponsor segment. You thought you were going to get away from it this week because we're at Big Lake Camp and maybe we don't have a sponsor. Wait, we'd never have a sponsor. That's why it's called Not A Sponsor. You thought maybe we'd have a sponsor, but no, we don't. Well, today's Not A Sponsor comes by way of Twizzlers Nibs, naturally and artificially flavored cherry flavor. What does it mean to be an artificially flavored cherry? Where do they grow the artificial cherries? I mean, it doesn't matter because these things are peanut-free. There's zero trans fats. They are what some people have called Twizzler's baby brother. That was not original to me. I wish it was. That came definitely from Andrew Barker. Um, These things, they call them little nibbles. My kids can't eat these because whatever that red dye is, it makes them crazy. So uh, I hope that you enjoy these. Go find a package. Nobody does it better at making my kids nuts and, you know, craving that sweet tooth than Twizzler's Nibs, Twizzler's baby brother. Well, welcome back, everyone. It has been 24 hours and then some since we last sat here in this little corner of a basement with some microphones, um, and it's been quite the day. I'm losing my voice, so uh, the sultry, sweet tones that you're used to, maybe even better today. I'm just gonna put my voice in this in this space. I hope that's ear candy for you at home. It's probably po- uh, po- podcast poison. Andrew, um, uh, Reverend Andrew Barker is back here with me again. Welcome, Andrew. Howdy. How are you tonight? I'm doing awesome. How about you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, as everyone is, I don't need to reintroduce everything because to the person listening at home, this is just a continuation and they're going, why is he saying all the same stuff again? Um, so we have had a full day here at camp Um there's been all kinds of different activity, all kinds of great things happening on the campground. Um, from our time, our staff meeting this morning was was centered around uh, putting on Christ and not, you know, the things of the world. And and we had a really good time of uh, of focusing in and praying for unity for the team and all that, and and, uh, and praying for Pastor Andrew as he prepared and for our worship leaders. And uh, so. We, uh, we kind of want to recap what the evening was like for us, and um, I see that you just looked at your watch. Am I boring you? No, I just got an email. <laughs> okay. Uh, re- to recap the evening, it, it's gonna, it could take a while to unpack this. 
it was a, it was a, I don't want to spoil anything, Andrew, because I'd like for you to be able to share. It was a monumental night. It was pretty big, yeah. Normally, um, at camp, we we generally have seen historically that not until later in the week do we see the type of night that we had tonight, and it's day two. And you you said something at the very beginning uh, uh, before you preached. Um, it was two words, and what what was that? Bring it. <laughs> yeah, you said bring it. What did you mean by that? Uh, really, it was just asking God to have full control and, and bring his presence and whatever he had planned, let us be ready for it. Like, bring it on. Let's, let's, uh, let's come into the presence of the Lord and let's, let's see where it's going to take us. And he brought it. Yeah, he did. I have sat through uh, some very, uh, how do I want to put this? Some very, very smart people, way smarter than me, when they, you know, when they kind of turn the service over to the Lord, use very eloquent, you know, um, prayers and, and words to say, the, you know, the intent. And, and you just bluntly put it out there, bring it. Just dropped it. It was like a mic drop. You know, it was just like, boom, you're dropping the mic, Lord, bring it. And he did uh, in a really cool way. And again, I don't want to spoil anything except for a little teaser to keep our listener, you know, on the hook here. Um, the, you know, if you know what the altar is, I think the kids were like five, almost five rows deep at some, at some point um, with kids at the altar praying and, and, and it was really cool. So Andrew, I'm really, I was really pumped for tonight because I knew I had a little, you know, sneak peek a couple of weeks ago about a specific illustration that you'd be using yeah. and it might be difficult to convey over an audio medium such as a podcast because it's very visual. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would love to hear kind of what, uh, where, where you felt led tonight. And again, preacher to preacher, we just need to have a preacher to preacher segment. It's, it's going to come. Uh, let me ask you what, what you preached tonight. Was that what you had prepared when you came in tonight? Oh, uh, this one was a little more prepared. Yeah, I, I knew from yesterday that this is probably a good chance where I was going to go. In fact, I think I said to you last night, I think I'm going to do this, but it hadn't formulated into, into anything mm-hmm. like a full sermon. It was just kind of this this idea that had been planted in my mind and, and it needed to be a little bit nurtured a little bit in prayer and, and Bible study and, and things like that. So a little better prepared than it was yesterday, but... Uh, Still had to rest very strongly in the Lord and sure. and give it over to Him and tell Him to bring it on and yeah, and you yeah. did and you did it was a it, it it was a monumental moment actually in this it was a turning point I think in the service when when that when that happened I, I think we got prepared for something yeah yeah so last night was more God kind of set the direction yeah and and things lined up. Because it seemed like he'd been leading you and he'd given you kind of a couple of different ideas of things that you could go, but he really narrowed it in. So, and maybe I'm way off on that and you can... No, you're, you're pretty on point there. Um, so, Andrew, why don't you tell us tonight, what was, the, what was the thrust of the message? What, you know, just we'll turn this over to you. You can, sorry, again, sorry, listener, about my voice. It's going as I'm speaking. Um, <clears throat> uh, why don't you tell us kind of what the message was about tonight and, and just whatever, you know, the Lord lays on your heart to share as well. Yeah, no, uh, the big kind of point that it was with the message this, this evening was the idea that, that God pursues us, that he's always at work, always seeking to, 
to find us and to bring us into his presence. And um, the focus that, or at least the, the scripture that the Lord had given me about that was the, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And, and for those of us who've pretty much spent any time in the church, it's a pretty popular passage. And, and originally I'd worried that, oh, maybe we've heard this one too many times, but I felt strongly that this is, this is where the Lord wanted us to go. This is what needed to be said. So yeah, uh, the Lord led me to the passage of, of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and just talking about how God, and, and especially through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, pursues us, that, that even in times that we don't know that we're lost, God is already at work seeking to find us. And we, we sang a song even just before, and I, I think it's Reckless Love. I apologize for all the, the music buffs out there. But it has in that, in that, that song, just that, that piece of scripture, the 99, that God will leave the 99, that there's, there's, there's nothing, there's no mountain that he won't climb, there's no mm-hmm. door, there's no nothing that, that's gonna keep him away from seeking us out. And it's just, it's, it's such an amazing truth about that reckless love. So yeah, that was just really the, the heart of the message is that, that no matter where we are in life, whether we are a believer or not, whether we're running away or whether we have stopped and we've just come to terms with the fact that we're a little bit lost in life, that God is right there knocking on our door and seeking us and, and looking for us. And whether you're the one or the 99, you're, you're, you're very valued. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, a great reason why in scripture that's mentioned. It's not said that he that he, the shepherd in, in the parable has many sheep and one was lost, but that specifically he had a hundred sheep and one was lost and the 99 were found. That Whether we're, we're in the flock or whether we are lost, we are valued Absolutely. by God and by Jesus. And then the lost coin is the same thing. You know, she knows about the nine coins. She has those, she knows where they are, but she doesn't just toss them aside and say they're worthless going and looking for the one, but that she keeps them with her. She knows Mm -hmm. she's got the nine and then she goes in pursuit of the one. So whether we're, again, whether we're lost or whether we're with God now, there's, there's great, he sees us, he, he values us and, and, and we're worth something to him, which kind of ties into where God had us yesterday with this idea of being no longer slaves, but, but now being children of God, that, that, that we, ha- we have value to mm-hmm. him and, and Onesimus with the useless and the useful things. So it was kind of a really neat tie in with, with all of that. And it led me to uh, an illustration that I've seen a few, a few preachers do, which is known as gospel in chairs, which is kind of the, the story of salvation told in, in kind of a, a very tangible kind of visual way. And like you said, it might not work on a, a medium such as this, but the idea is... Well, oh. I'm going to cut you off, Andrew. Oh, Sorry. got me on the roll, but okay, go I got ahead. you on the roll. Um, but as you explain this, if if you know of where we could find it, if there's a link, if there's a YouTube, you know, if you found it on YouTube or or where, so that the listener could maybe go find that. But I want to say this: I got to see it. I, I shared earlier. I got to see it a week ago, or two weeks ago, and and being and and seeing it the second time and knowing what was coming uh, did not diminish the impact. I was in tears. <laughs> And, yeah. and when I knew what was coming, I started clapping and I looked at my hands. I'm like, what's going on? My hands are clapping. And because it is, it's just, it was so powerful. And I want you to know, cause I, I don't know that if you, you were in the moment of this, um, the first, and when you explain it, the listener will understand, but 
when you, when you first did the first part of it, I was looking at the crowd uh, to see how engaged they were, if they were paying attention. And, and certainly kids were, a lot of kids were. Um, there were some kids, you know, that were doing whatever and fiddling around and, and all that. But the moment the second half of that thing kicks in, uh, every eye, every eye in the room moved forward to, to taking this in. And I, 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 you know, the gospel was proclaimed and every, every ear heard tonight and got to see it in a really interesting way. So I'm sorry I cut you off in a roll. Oh, no, not a problem. Now I just have to get back into it a little bit. So. Well, you were about to share about it. Yes. Oh, yes. So anyways, <laughs> we'll see how I can uh, how I can do here. But just, you know, picturing two chairs in front of you and, and one is is God, represents God, the creator of heaven and earth and the creator of us and, and we as his image. And then we're, we're the other chair. And really through the whole story, we're kind of moving these chairs around and showing how our relationship between God and 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 how we've rebelled and how we have desires to, to be with him and, and kind of how we've, we've acted. So we begin with the chairs being together in relationship, but as we've rebelled, as we've sinned, we've, we've essentially turned our back on God. So we kind of turn the chairs away from God. And then the first showing of the, of the path of salvation is kind of, I would say one of the more common, mm-hmm. you know, if we were just to really shrink it down to grassroots basic as we could get, probably the more common one that often many of us will have heard or have grown up with, but it's, it, it sees God more as a, as a judge than it does see him as a, as a loving father. So anyways, we've turned our back on him because of sin, but because we now are in sin and, and God being holy and being just and, and having a, a hatred for sin has then had to turn his back on us because we were full of the sin, the thing that, that he despises and that he hates. And then um, you continue on kind of talking about some of the, where I continued on talking some of the rebellions and some of the bigger moments in scripture that we've kind of essentially said we could, we could do better or we thought we knew better. But uh, it all ends with Jesus because even in that time when we're thinking of, of God as, as wrathful and, and God as a judge, he's still a loving father and wants nothing more than to be in relationship with us. So Jesus comes and, and he takes our place and he takes, he takes on the wrath of God and, and the wrath of God is placed upon him and Jesus essentially pays the price and then through his resurrection, we are reunited to him. So that's kind of the first the first showing. And then comes the, the, the second kind of illustration and now we begin to kind of add what we had learned through uh, the, the stories of the parables, the, the lost coin and the lost sheep. And we begin to see how we're kind of missing pieces in that original uh, illustration. So in the second illustration, we kind of show the, the, the pursuit of God and the desire that he has in being in relationship with us. So the illustration starts essentially the same with the two chairs and we're in relationship and then we rebel and we turn our back. So we turn the chair away, but instead of God turning his back on us, we pick up the chair and we just bring it to the front and we see God, the illustration is we see God saying, no, I want to continue to be in relationship with you. You are my children and I will, I will work and I will and I will do things to, to build this relationship. Yes, sin has created this barrier, but I am going to find ways that I can still take care of you. And we see it right from the beginning in the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve sin and, and they rebel and they're in shame that, that God does not immediately in his, in his absolute knowledge uh, display wrath, but instead he goes and seeks them out and says, where are you? There's still that heart, that desire 
to be with them. And throughout the Old Testament, we still see that at work. We see it in, in, in Cain and Abel. We see it in, in Moses being used to, as a prophet and as a leader to connect the, the people, the Israelites, the people of God with God. And, and, and he's so present with them. And yet, you know, we see the golden calf and, and we see just things like that happening. You know, the judges and, and that whole book where we're society where the, where the people of God are doing what, what's right in their eyes and not what's in God's eyes. But yet through that whole, the whole Bible, essentially, we see this redemption narrative, this story of, of God always at work trying to show us how to live, trying to show us his love. But, but there's that, that sin that's creating that barrier and that sin that he cannot be a part of. And it is through his son, Jesus Christ, that we have that final offering of, of love, just that, that, that outpouring of his desire to be with us, that he becomes, you know, he sends his son, that, that it's God, it's Emmanuel, God with us. And, and, and through Jesus, we learn what it is to be a holy person. We learn what it is to, to love, not just our, our friends or our family, but our enemies. We, we learn what forgiveness is. And, and, and in all this, we still see Jesus crucified. We, we put him on the cross because he's, he's shaking things up and, and we've just never seen this before. And instead of really it seeing as, as God's wrath being put on Jesus, it's more through our wrath and through our confusion, we've put him there. And, and it's, it's in his love. It, it, there's a piece of scripture uh, that, that, that speaks of it, that, that, you know, Jesus died while we were still sinners, while we were yeah. still his enemies, Jesus died for us out of an outpouring of his love, of his willingness to be reunited with us. And, and that was that, that level of, of pursuing us that I will go to any means giving my own life and God's saying, giving my son's life to be reunited with you. I am seeking you and I am going to find you and I have found you. And now it's up for us to, to accept through Jesus Christ to be found. And then the last piece, which is just amazing, is that we have these two chairs and we know of Jesus's resurrection, but Jesus also gives us another promise that he will bring and give us the Holy Spirit. So we pick up the, the chair that represents God and it fits perfectly on top of the chair that is us. And essentially Preach. it is the Holy Spirit in us mm -hmm. that we now are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in our midst. And this is actually a piece that I didn't mention, but it's, it's one of my favorite verses in, in Galatians 2.20 that, you know, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That when, when, when Jesus is on the cross, we, we lay that sin upon him. We, we give our old self over to him and take on the new identity of being his temple, of, of being people that his presence can flow freely in and around and and through and uh this this evening we took it a step further bringing in this this whole theme and this idea of identity mm -hmm. and who we are in christ and i i took the chair that represented god off and i had two other chairs and i said sometimes we're trying other things sometimes we're trying to find our identity or we're trying to to make a name for ourselves in different ways so i've tried you know different chairs but they just don't they don't stack in the right way, whether that's, you know, maybe we're trying to find our identity in our job or in a sport or, or in a sin even. And, and sometimes, sometimes we get it that just fits just about right, but it's never going to be that perfect fit because going all the way back to Genesis, we were created as image bearers, as in the image of God. We're created to be in relationship, to, to be in his presence, to, to live out our lives with him. So really the question that, 
that I kind of ended with is, where's your identity? If, you're, if your identity is in anything else but Jesus Christ, you're seeking your identity in the wrong place. And then if we do have another chair, if we do have something else in our lives, it's, it's all the harder for, for us to be able to welcome God in. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes we just really got to let go of certain things, take certain things out of our lives so that we have more room to welcome the Holy Spirit into our life. What I, what I appreciate, Andrew, was uh, not only did you put that challenge out there, I, I was, I don't know how to put this, I was very glad that you didn't just make it a, a broad statement, that you actually pointed out some areas specifically that we, especially today, struggle with when it comes to the, uh, you know, the idea of identity. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's a very vulnerable thing and it's a very risky thing to do sometimes because you never know how that could go. Uh, but, you know, to, in, in today's society with, with the conversation of gender identity, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and, and all kinds of different, and, that, and that's one of, of many more that, that, you, that you threw out there. We didn't focus on one specifically, mm-hmm. but for kids to be able to hear some of those things out loud where maybe they've never thought about it before and go, oh yeah, you know what, that... Maybe that is kind of what I've been putting on, mm, you know, for and, sure. And uh, and maybe didn't you know have the have the the vocabulary to articulate it, and but but then to be able to call them out of that, you know, it, it's not just a matter of okay, you know, this is it, but but let's let's take that off, you know. And the chair has really illustrated it well with with being able to pull that chair off and seeing how it didn't fit because it wasn't made for you, mm, you know, exactly. and you weren't made for that. And uh, I was just like, I, I was just rocking in my chair because I knew that you were going to put the two chairs together and it's the, it was the Holy Spirit living inside yeah. of you. The, what a difference. It's been amazing. And I mean, it's just amazing how God works too because the devotions that we've been having this day and, and the, the worship that's being led by, by Jordan and Sean and the team and just all of it was so tying in and, and was just culminating in that, that, that exact moment, this idea of taking off you know, sins and other things in our lives and putting on Christ and, and the goodness that is him and, and just the, the songs, the reckless love, mm-hmm. the, the you know, no longer a slave to sin. We've got joy, we've got strength and God. It's just, God was, God was heavy here. He was definitely at work and I've been feeling it for the last two days and it's just, it's exciting. Absolutely. And, and to see people come to the altar and just yeah. be changed. I mean, you could feel the transformation happening. You could feel things being dropped off at that altar and, and Jesus being picked up. And yep. it was just, yep. it's awesome. The, the family's got a little bigger today and yeah, there that, is a party right. in heaven right now. So, um, I, I, like, I'm not going to name names or, or, uh, or betray any confidentiality, but I got the opportunity to pray with some people. Yeah. And and hear what's on their heart and on their mind and and uh, I'm encouraged, very encouraged by the youth that are coming up, um, with them taking the torch kind of thing and yeah and and taking this way more serious than I did as a teenager. Um, I'm ashamed to say, <laughs> not ashamed. Everyone's journey is different, but I look at the teens now and the spiritual sensitivity that we're seeing in our youth, and uh, it just it blows my mind to think about it blows my mind to think about what they're you know what they're going to be doing like immediately when they get back home 
Yeah, and, for and, sure. and what they're going to be doing, you know, like, so tomorrow night services here, you know, you and I were talking briefly about tomorrow night. We're like, okay, well, if this is what the Lord brought tonight, what on earth is going to happen tomorrow night? And we, we always put that expectation on us that it always builds, it builds, it builds and all that. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at some of the youth that are praying for other youth. Yeah, and, and that's all, been amazing. All that. And I'm thinking, you know, tomorrow night could be, I don't know, it, it could, it, I don't know what it could be, but, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion that our youth are going to play a big part in, in the ministry. You know, like we, oftentimes we think it's going to be the speaker and the band and the counselors that are going to be providing the ministry. I air quoted for those that aren't listening by podcast. You couldn't see that. Um, and then like, I wonder if tomorrow night it's going to be one of those things where we kind of, we just give them the permission, go pray with your friends. I, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's, uh, 10 to 11. I'm tired and losing my voice. <clears throat> so I, I'm just talking crazy now. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Well, Andrew, um, is there anything else that you wanted to, to share with that or will we? You know what? No, I'm just excited to see what, what God has planned for the, the rest of the week, but I'm, I'm just excited of what's just happened. I mean, I'm just, I'm floored and I've been giving thanks to God for the last couple hours here as I've, you know, now there's nobody here in, in the basement by the altars, but I mean, it was, it was a good chunk of time and, mm-hmm. and they just, it, although I guess there is one thing I would say, and, and I, it's just to encourage anybody that sometimes it just takes that one person to take that step of faith because, yeah. Um, the challenge was issued. I had finished praying and I, and the altars were open. And, and then I, I went and I sat down and I prayed myself and I just said, you know, God, it's, it's in your hands. This is all yours. And, and nothing was really happening. And then I saw one person step up and I just began just praising the Lord, you know, one person. I mean, yeah, it absolutely. says right there in scripture, you know, there'll be more celebration in heaven over one person yeah. than over, you know, any righteous person that doesn't need it. And then, I began to see it. it. It took the courage of that one person. And then all of a sudden, just people said, you know what? If, if they can do it and they're being led, mm-hmm. I, I should listen to this tug in my heart that I have. And it was just, it was amazing. It was truly amazing. So absolutely, I praise God for it. Amen. Me too. Thank you, Andrew, so much. Oh, thank you. Looking forward to, uh, in another 24 hours, we'll be back here again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what my voice sounds like. We'll see if you're still standing. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll be still, still be at the altar this time tomorrow night, Lord willing. Maybe You'll never know. Whatever, whatever his plan is. God's in control. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to step in here and let you know that we realized, uh, we looked down at the clock and saw how long we've been recording. And uh, so we decided we're going to break up these sermons into two episodes. So while it's taken 24 hours for us in between each episode, it will take another week for you before you get to hear uh, kind of the rest of the story. So um, make sure you stay tuned. Don't forget to like, rate, review, and, uh, and tell a friend about the podcast. And as always, stay spiritually fit and have fun.